Welcome to the podcast, Appetite for Distortion, episode number 408. My name is Brando. Welcome back to the podcast, Rocco Guarino. How are you, sir? It's been a bit. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm doing well. Uh, I apologize. I don't know if you hear Baby Brownstone crying in the background. You may hear that as I'm in my apartment, uh, studio apartment here in Queens. Uh, I should say it's it's my studio in an apartment. I don't have a studio apartment, but who gives a shit? Uh, and I, I know you recently moved down to Nashville. If you're watching this on Zoom, you have some really cool stuff behind you. Uh, so is that where you're, you're currently in your new digs in, the, in Nashville? Yep, new spot, yep. Where were you before? Because if people don't remember, Rocco was a guest way back, episode 137. I had to remind myself where we spoke about your time with Velvet Revolver and Scott Weiland. Just uh, why the change? You were West Coast for the longest time, right? Yeah, I was in L.A. for 20 years. Damn. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the music scene there doesn't really line up with what I'm into, you know? I mean, um, you know, you got the Sunset Strip metal, you know, 80s stuff, which is fun, you know, but... Yeah, it's like a it's like a nice place to visit, but you don't want to live there, you know. Okay. And then you have the um, the East Side, which is the hipster stuff, and then uh, they have a lot of hip hop. And I just was kind of like missing, just like middle of the road, Tom Petty guitar music, you know, Led Zeppelin, just rock, you know. So, and uh, Nashville just kept coming up uh, in my life different different times conversations with people or whatever you know and um so i just kind of followed the signs you know so is there because i'm 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 ignorant is there a rock scene down there because i I think nashville i think country music like what's how diverse is it down there oh yeah man i i mean i've gone out a ton since i've been here and i only saw country music a couple times it's mostly it's, it's mostly uh, well, you know, it's just where to go, you know what I mean? Like, so if you go down to Broadway, which is like the bachelorette party capital of the world, um, and there's like three, four-story bar after bar after bar, and every floor has a band, so it's it's insane. That's all covers, right? Mostly, 90% covers, you know, parties, drinking, and dancing. And then you have East Nashville, which is where all the original music happens, and I mean, a good amount of it is rock, you know. There's there's a lot of really cool venues here, you know. There's like the Five Spot and the Cobra and the Basement, the Basement East and the Underdog and the Bowery Vault. I mean, it's just on and on and on. There's so many venues. It's crazy. Uh, it's on. It's so funny I, that I have this podcast about GNR and I've yet to step foot inside California, let alone LA or any of that. It will happen one day. Uh, yeah. I keep saying that, but I know it, it will. But in Nashville, too, like a, a bucket list place I want to go yeah. to and experience. And we're going to talk about a little bit later what you're doing down there 
now other than just having a sweet pad and i can't help but notice if you're watching this on a youtube channel because it's uh, as we're recording this uh i'm lucky i know what day it is let alone date but it's the uh july 24th and early so about i think exactly three weeks ago was the anniversary of libertad the 16th anniversary of libertad so if you see the contraband uh, I think the uh, the plaque behind you, but I, I don't know if you, we have any other velvet behind you, but I don't know. It just got me thinking, and we, we, we're cool enough. We follow each other on TikTok. I think that's the first time I've ever said that sentence. Uh, yeah, man, TikTok. So, so I'm just like, you know what? Let's get Rocco back on. We had a great conversation. So uh, Yeah, appreciate it. So I guess 16 years later, we could talk more about wherever the story goes with velvet. And if people don't know, uh, we had the, you came up with although Duff came up with the term was the strategic strategic liaison or something the what, what, that, oh. your, your 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 title for Velvet. Technology. Uh, I, when I went back the second time, it was uh, the joke was a uh, technology liaison because a lot of a lot of my time was just fixing everybody's uh, blackberries, you know. Okay. Uh, and we had cameras, the little eyesight cameras that went on top of your laptop before the cameras were built into the laptops. So. Yep. Yeah. Oh, wow. Yeah. So uh, I encourage people, if you've missed that, and there, I, I'm flattered that I have listeners that go back and listen to every single episode, but it was a great one to learn about your story to go from uh, kind of the engineer on Contraband, one of the engineers, this. Uh, no, you weren't. I thought you were. How does it remind me then? Because it was Scott Weiland's assistant, but you weren't exactly Scott Weiland's assistant then. First, you were doing some technical stuff in the studio, weren't you? I started out. Um, Scott's partner at the time, Doug Grion, he was running the studio that they had together called Lavish Studios. Him and him, Doug and Scott had Lavish Studios. And then when I came along in like 2001 or two. I think it was two, 2002. Um, I met Doug through a friend of a friend, and he took me in, and, and I started uh, working, you know, working, you know, volunteering, you know, I uh, wasn't getting paid or anything, but, you know, just taking out the trash and wrapping cables, making coffee. Oh, okay. Uh, for Doug. And, and then Scott was out on tour uh, with STP. So then um, 2000, later, 2002, Scott came back from tour with STP, and... Like later that year, someone said, "Hey, the guys from JR are gonna come by Lavish tomorrow. Maybe talk to Scott about doing some kind of project." And that's like pretty much when my life changed. At that point, they came in, slash, walked. You know, all the guys walked in and they jammed, and it was like fucking fireworks. And it was wild. Oh uh, yeah. Um, okay, maybe I should go back. I listened to a lot of it because I, I make these clips, and you noticed it. You commented on the TikTok on some of my TikToks. Uh, to go back and edit some of the, your highlights, and maybe I should have listened to the whole thing because I, yeah. But it's good. Get a refresher of the story before we we jump into everything. Yeah, else. Yeah. I got sidetracked. Yeah, what were we talking about? Well, I, I wanted to go back into because as I, I even just thinking about Libertad at that time, and it kind of always bothered me where that that well, Velvet kind of fell off at that time. This is before Scott, which you know terrible lost his life uh through a drug and in drugs and addiction which we spoke about at length at that time but just that the band broke apart and a lot of people hate on that album 
and I put it on for the first time in a long time. And there are some really another phrase I don't use ever. There are bangers on that that record. So I, I would just love to hear some like memories you have of, and because people also if they don't remember and I specifically made a highlight of this you directed the last fight video which yeah. was uh, and you were you told a great story about how you told your mom that like I have a top 20 or top 10 video on VH1 and very very cute so I would just love to hear some memories and can you believe it's been 16 years that's crazy man that's really crazy 16 years it just it just went by like that um yeah, yeah. My well, my mom was was actually at the video shoot, which was awesome. She flew out for it for, to be on set with me while I was directing it. And then, but I called her when it went top ten and told her, and that was pretty. That was pretty awesome. Pretty awesome phone call. Um, Libertad. So, yeah. So I I had so you know I worked. I mean, I don't know. I guess we probably covered a lot of this in the first one. I should have, I should have listened to the first one too as well because I don't know what we covered. And what we I did, will say but. this because we hit it off, and maybe it's good that we rehash some of this stuff because, and I do this too, so don't feel you know self conscious. We would deviate from the subject. Yeah. I remember, like, I asked you, for, and it seemed like maybe a half an hour passed by before you answered what happened with the last fight video. Some other stories kept coming up, and they were all great stories, but I'm like, I still got to get an answer to this thing. So I think maybe we can get some more concise. And again, I have this problem, too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah definitely. So, all right. So, Ted. Yeah. So anyway, I was just going to say, I, you know, the whole rising through the ranks was the story uh that I think we covered last time, but I don't know if we covered when I quit. So at, at a certain point, I quit. Um, I was Scott's assistant, and and that's all I had done up until that point. It was just be his assistant, and you know he never had one before, and I never was one before. So we were both kind of just trying to figure it out, you know. Well, maybe uh, before we even get into anything else, because whenever there's an opportunity to talk about Squat, Scott Weiland, the late and great Scott Weiland, I, I we got we have to do it. His memory and legacy should live on, and I think there's a lot of misnomers out there, and we all we know we struggled, but you and I, we spoke about addiction. That I've been about I think almost eight years without alcohol, but I still have a very addictive personality. I talk about mental health. I was in therapy for. 12 years yeah. recently stopped because it, I don't know I, I don't have time to think about myself my problems anymore with a kid so I'm like yeah. I'm in a good place in life let me focus on the now uh, yeah, and, and you told your story and you with addiction so with that in mind what is it like being Scott Weiland's assistant and just to deal with that uh, the day in and day out um, I mean I was fresh off the boat you know I just just got to L.A. Uh, from the East Coast, so the whole thing was kind of a, like a world, crazy whirlwind, you know. Um, and you know, I was a big fan, you know, uh, STP fan, and it was wild, you know. I mean, I, I was just like renting a room in a house, I didn't have a lot of money, and you know, it started out just like driving them around, and then and then it just kind of you know built up from there, but uh. It was a roller coaster, you know. It was a roller coaster. I mean, it was emotionally, 
intense. I think the only word to really describe that time was just fucking intense, man. It was, it was, you know, emotions are just like overwhelming, just like, uh, yeah, I can't even describe it. It was, it was crazy. It was a lot of stress, a lot of pressure. Yeah. What do you think was going on? Because we can never get inside someone else's head. We all make up reasons about why someone may be depressed or self-medicating. Uh, I don't need to surprise. I'm a Jewish guy with mommy issues. You know, we all have, you know, and I talk about my disability and that affects me mentally. But what do you think it was with Scott that affected him the day in and day out? Was it the pressures of being a rock star? Uh, was there, do you think it was family stuff? And you don't need to go into anything specific if it's, you know, uh, we don't need to reopen old wounds. But wh- what do you think it was with with Scott? Did he just always kind of have the personality, you think, of just where he could be very friendly and nice, and then other times he could just kind of be erratic? I didn't really have a frame of reference because I didn't know him in his 20s or anything like that, you know? So I don't know what, like, what had changed or if anything had changed or maybe he was always like that or what, so I don't know. But, um, you know, I think, I think, like like all of us, the things that make up our personality are half nature and half nurture, right? So like we're half of who we are, we're born, we're just born that way. And then the other half of who we are is how we're raised. And everything, everything goes back to childhood. Yeah. <laughs> for all of us. And there's no escaping it. And it's as, as old as, as old as the earth. Um, and that's what it is. It's trauma, childhood traumas, and 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 whatever it is that we all go through. Um, and that's what that's what makes I think some of the best art. So, you know, people are are. Well, I mean, we're all fucked up in the head, and we're all trying to just figure out how to get through our day. And and so some of us use you know different forms of art to express that. You know, to be able to purge that. You know. Did you ever? Because while you were his assistant and you would book appointments for him and schedule things for him, yeah, did you ever kind of have those conversations with Scott Weiland as a, as just a friend? Because you met, because you guys had a, seemed to have a special relationship versus the other guys, at least with. And this uh, I remember from the the previous interview when you did the last fight uh, video, it was Scott that really pushed for you to do it where the other guys weren't really sure and Scott looked at you as this creative person and wanted to support you so did you talk about private things or was it just all business and and rock and roll then sorry I gotta turn this off um you there I'm here I'm here I think no no we were we were we were friends I mean we spent literally every day together you know what I mean? For many years. So, you know, uh, I was at his house every day and we were at the studio together every day or the gym or the rehab or whatever. Um, yeah, we talked a lot, you know, because I was clean and sober at the time. So, and, you know, it wasn't. So we would talk a lot about that. We talked about everything that you would talk about with your friends, you know. Hmm. We had a lot of long nights on the bus. I mean, whenever we were on tour, every band member had his own bus. So Scott and I always had our own bus, just the two of us. And it's a lot of hours, a lot of overnight long drives, you know. 
uh, you know, a lot of sharing, you know. So, yeah, for sure. And this goes into the Libertad conversation because I, I do remember Doug Rion, who's been a guest on this podcast as well, and, and Dave Kushner from Velvet, they had mentioned that Scott had some paranoia about Guns N' Roses reforming and then the, that might have all bottled up into Libertad and there's like an uneasiness. So I guess from your perspective, you know, was he worried about the state of the band going into that album? Do you recall or... No, I don't think so. I never heard... I, he never said anything to me about being worried about GNR reforming because... Okay. I, were, I mean, man, we were at the height. I don't know what the hell Axel was doing, but... <laughs> Uh, I don't think he was doing that much in 2002, three, four, five, dates. Maybe he was. I don't know, but that, I know that. No, two, the- 2000. That was an interesting time. 2002 was the uh, the pseudo comeback, and then they canceled the, the the Chinese Democracy tour, and then Velvet Revolver. I mean, that was my first opportunity ever to see Slash and Duff in person. You know, yeah, it's, none uh, of us were concerned about. Guns and Roses, whatever you want to call it, which was like Axel and his buddies. No, that wasn't really an issue. Okay, all right, that's interesting. So, yeah. uh, what fond memory? Because other than the the video, of course, what else did you do working on uh, Libertad and your involvement with just just being with Scott at that time, uh, his assistant? Was I, al- I also um, was sort of the kind of like the DP, director of photography, sort of in a way for another video called get out the door basically they took a bunch of my footage that i had shot on tour and studio and photo shoots just everywhere and i gave all my footage to my buddy dean carr and he sort of oversaw the process of editing well a killer editor um that he all the time and so those two guys took that and i think chapman baylor might have shot some extra stuff I'm not sure what the process was. All I know is I gave him all my footage that I had shot, and then he took that, and then and then when it came out, I saw other stuff that I had never seen that I didn't shoot. So, uh, and then put it all together and made the music video for Get Out the Door. So I don't know if I got direct. Got, got I definitely director. Technically, it was a mishmash. Uh, but yeah, so that was that one. Okay, cool. Um, another one of my favorite tracks off that record. So you were out on. On, on tour for the Libertad, and were you the same thing with Contraband as well? Yeah, so with Contraband, yeah. So that was like, not to retell the story, but yeah, that was when I first started working with Scott. I mean, right. just, you know, like we we're making the record, doing photo shoots, and blah blah blah. And then I started booking the tour, and the big question mark over my head was, am I going to go on a freaking world tour, you know, with these guys, or am I going to? job when he leaves and uh sure enough that one i'll never forget the day in his kitchen when he asked me if i would go on on the road with him that was amazing but anyway so yeah so that was that was contraband and then i quit and then some time went by and then i went back and then uh uh, anyway so with libertad um what was the question sorry well, I was leading into. Well, I asked you what if you were on both tours, which you you were. So you answered the question. But I'm I'm kind of leaning toward. Did you see any difference in the band, or what was your experience? I guess Contraband tour versus Libertad tour. Contraband, yeah. you're in this whirlwind thing you didn't expect. Libertad, you've been around the guys for a while. They know you, so maybe if you can compare the experiences on those two big tours. Yeah, 
Yeah, contraband, I was Scott's personal assistant. And by the Libertat tour, I had gone back and I, they were, I was rehired to strictly just do uh, video and photos and basically follow the band around everywhere and, and shoot everything and then cut it up into little pieces, documentaries and webisodes and stuff like that. So, so, so yeah, the, the Libertad, I, I love that album. I think that album is great. You know, I mean, a lot of heavy stuff happened during the making of that album, you know, and there's a lot of, there's a lot more emotion. There's a lot more of Scott's, this is probably the most personal album lyrically that Scott ever out of any project or any band you wow. know, if you listen to those words man you know it's real so you know he lost his little brother Michael you know and Matt lost his little brother like Scott got clean and you know just a lot of shit went down man and then you know we came off a massive world tour and a number one album and all that stuff so we were you know, we were on fire, you know, everyone was stoked and the band was tight as shit. And um, Brendan O'Brien was a genius. And Nick the DA engineered it. We did it at Hudson Studios. And, uh, you know, we had a lot of fun. A lot of fun doing that record. Well, it's 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 really cool to hear that you think this, because Scott's, he, just with STP, has written some of the greatest songs ever. And then you just say, some people just like, what I wanted to get across, don't just throw away Libertad. Revisit that album, especially just look at the lyrics. Um, I'll take bed any day. Absolutely. I think it's a way better album. It's a much better album. I mean, prove me wrong. I mean, it's just, it's got the heavy shit. It's got the beautiful lyrics I mean it's the melodies it's just a more evolved I just think Contraband is like so basic Contraband was just like a band making their it's like their first album like they were just kind of figuring it out things were pretty simple mm. you know Jack Abraham produced it so you know you're not going to get anything too amazing it, it's just kind of basic you know I mean the sound the sound of it was killer because Ryan Williams aired it and he's, he's amazing but Time was just it was deeper man it was deeper there were layers to that and it was it was more evolved and as a band they were more evolved too i think yeah it's just overall it's just it's the next evolution of of the band i think yeah were you preparing after that tour an album for there to be further evolution were you surprised when uh scott was fired because of his uh, off-the-field issues, so to speak. Uh, what did you feel about the fate of the band when it happened? Um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't surprised when he, you know, I mean, if he quit or he, he was fired, I don't know. Right. The, the, thing, the thing is, like, I, it wasn't the first time, you know what I mean? Like, you know, how many times did he quit or get fired from SCP? Like, I didn't really think it was really going to stick, so. Mm, okay. I, I was like kind of we were all just kind of shrugging our shoulders like yeah you know we'll see you next week you know but <laughs> didn't happen so yeah i was surprised yeah okay uh yeah you're right um and just to use a because i use one baseball reference so off the field it just makes me think if, if you know the yankees and this is before my time when they uh george steinbrenner hired and fired billy martin like seven times i mean it's it's, it's if you get the reference like i'm sure you'll appreciate it 
Uh, you, I wanted to, I would be remiss because I wanted to bring it up because, as I mentioned, we follow each other on TikTok. By the way, I don't want to go deep into it, but apparently Twitter is now X. Yeah. Which I, uh, how do you feel about that? I, I don't. I'm, I, I don't have. I. You're on I, it, but you're not really active. I have accounts, and I think it probably goes there automatically when I post to other places. But no, I don't have the app on my phone, and I have, I don't use it. I haven't used it in years. I never. I never really used Twitter. I never really used Twitter. I don't know why it's it's turned bad, but I for whatever reason I just found it easier to connect with artists yeah. on there than on any other platform. But whatever, yeah. I'm on the other ones. I'm not on Threads yet. I'm just, it's too much. But on TikTok, <laughs> I had posted a video about Matt Sorum, and I think you you commented on that. It was from one of my really early episodes with uh, see. This is a perfect example with Charlie Benanti, who we asked to be on the show on Twitter. And he said yes, or on the then Twitter, Rip Twitter, on X, and just about his opinion with um, between Scott and uh, Stephen. Ad- excuse me, between Matt Sorum and Stephen Adler. And you wrote, Matt is an incredible drummer. I have a great story about working with him. So <laughs> here's the opportunity. What's that great story? <laughs> My PayPal is Rocco Music. For- no, I'm <laughs> Yeah, so so no, he's just a machine, man. He's just killer. Like he, his sense of timing, it's crazy. Like so many drummers out there, just they're great drummers, but they don't have a good sense of time. And I know that doesn't sound like it makes sense, but there's there's guys out there that can grow. They have the chops, whatever. But your song will speed up and slow down, like without fail, you know. Um, and then there's guys like Matt Swarm. So. One time, I was in there with Kevin Smith, one of, one of my uh, good friends that I met through Matt, and he did a lot of engineering for Matt. And just like, every time I work with Matt, when he's when I'm producing or whatever, recording him or whatever, when he's on drums, I'm just, you know what I mean? Mouth agape. Hi? Uh, mouth agape. Sorry, I'm saying that for the podcast side. They can see your mouth drop. So, yeah, <laughs> any commentary. <laughs> Sorry. Okay, cool. So anyway, so Kevin and I were in there. So I said, "Watch this," and I and I, you know, he's got Matt's out there doing a take, recording, and he's got the click, and I fucking did the click, and and I and I played it off like something was wrong, and I was like, you know, through the window, I'm like, go, keep going, you know. Anyway, and then right right before the end of the song, I put the click back in, and he was right on it. It was wild. Like two minutes later, he's he he is the metronome. Hmm. So, I mean, that's just Matt Sorum, man. It's wild. What about your opinion on this? And this was in the recent uh, in the news. I did not have uh, Nuno Betancourt versus Richard Fortas uh, feud in my 2023 uh, bingo card. I don't know if you've heard about this quote controversy. It's silly. It's you know, it's sports talk radio esque uh, because you've worked obviously with, with Slash. Uh, so Nuno yeah. was interviewed and he had mentioned he was talking about his gig with Rihanna and yeah. how it's more difficult than people would imagine and how somebody like Slash couldn't do it. He, he praised Slash and his ability, but just something about like how someone like Slash couldn't do that kind of gig. And that, of course, makes headlines and. 
it's uh, to me that looks like and this is that's only the first part of the story if you're not familiar but to me that's just kind of like opinion it's not that big of a deal i don't think nuno was necessarily insulting to slash but it's kind of like slash has played with countless pop stars including what rihanna you, what do you mean by that like why why did he feel like slash would be able to do it let me bring up the exact quote so i'm not paraphrasing poorly uh it's because he, he couldn't blend into a band or stand out too much or um i want to i want to make sure I, I, I get the exact quote so da, 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 it's somewhere in my timeline which is great i know i can also look it up but damn it wish i had this wish i had like one of the times i had a producer uh to look it up for me but you know what let me look at the original article and see if i could find that because uh i don't want to because what would eventually happens is that richard fortis defends him and then when Nuno responds, that's when it gets bad. Okay, here we go. Uh, that was a beautiful stall. Um, it's I'll edit. I could edit it out, but you know that's this is live radio, so to speak. So it says, this is when Nuno talking about Slash. I'm sorry. Most of the guitar players who I admire could not in their lifetime play that gig. Talking about the Rihanna gig. I mean that in the most complimentary way possible. Slash is one of the greatest rock guitar players of all time, but I guarantee, and he'd be the first one to tell you, that if he jumps up and he's got to play a clean intro to Rude Boy from Rihanna, it ain't happening. So that's what he said. I, I'm not a musician. I'm not a guitarist. I don't know. It's just people. It's just. I don't know the song. I don't know what Rude Boy is. I don't know what just, that means. Well, just think about a, a Rihanna song or any pop artist just saying that he. He would my get my interpretation is Slash would have to put his spin on it, would have to noodle you know noodle to he, he couldn't oh, yeah. just play a, a song, the way it's like it was pre-recorded or written. Yeah, he's just saying yeah, basically like you're a side man and Slash is not a fucking side man. You know what I mean? Yeah, so that I think that's an okay thing to say, but there are. Oh, yeah. But there are it's people. Like, it's again, it's a fun sports talk ass kind of thing where they're like, oh, "Well, Slash sure. played with Michael Jackson. He played with this person, Carol, played with Carol King." It's just, it could have been yeah, a bad example. Gotta, the things that he did, like what he did with Michael Jackson, was just himself. He was just Slash. He played sure. what he played. I mean, I wasn't there in the studio, but I mean, it sounds like him. You know, I think what Nuno's saying is, yeah, with Rihanna, like you're playing some random shit that has nothing to do with what you normally ever do. And you got to play it perfectly, and you got to play it clean, and you got to—it's just not his wheelhouse. It's like, yeah, no, I don't think—I don't think he, he would be good at it either. I don't think it would, it okay. would be weird. So it, yeah. it elevates to this then. So Richard Fortas, i don't know if you, if you know Richard—he—he yeah. he put this on Instagram. He took a, a headline, but I guess he read the article and listened to it in context. Yeah. And I think what he said was just fine. He said, "I have to respectfully disagree." Uh, Nuno Betancourt is one of the greats for sure. However, there's very little Slash couldn't do on guitar if he wanted to. I toured with Rihanna prior to Nuno. So when Richard uh, left to be in like GNR, I, I think, it's, uh, he left the Rihanna gig or, was, or went to Dead Daisies, I forget. But anyway, when he left Rihanna, that's when Nuno took over that gig. So he says, I toured with Rihanna prior to Nuno and I've spent a lot of time playing with Slash, obviously. This gig wouldn't be a struggle for him. That's all he said. So, right. so uh, this will take up too much time, and so I have to paraphrase it. 
So if you want to look later, but Nuno Betancourt responded at length on uh, Facebook and Instagram. He's like, I'm responding to this not because I give a shit about what this, this guitarist thinks about me. Um, for this, I've respectfully never heard of you play, uh, never heard you play one note in my 56 years of being alive. Uh, I'm sure you're a decent player. Uh, he calls him just a, a replacement player. He's like, I've only known your name from the Rihanna camp and, and as a, repla- a re-replacement player in Guns when he's been in the band for 20 years. Uh, so he took shots, I, I, I think. So that kind of... Wow. Right? Wow, right? That wasn't... He definitely like, took it to a whole other level that I don't think was really... Okay. Uh, was going to. Right. So I think what you... So what like his Nuno's initial comments fine you may disagree fine you agree you worked with Slash you agree Fortis has worked with Slash he doesn't agree that's fine that's all conversation but Nuno is responding like that semantics like what there's like one is saying one thing and the other is there's apples and oranges like yeah of course he could do it technically obviously it's like one of the greatest guitarists ever like he could play whatever if it's physically possible to play it slash to fucking play it that's not what he's saying he's just saying it's weird you have to play something that has nothing to do with anything that you ever do you have to probably do it perfectly you have to do the same thing every night you have to fit in with a background band as a sideline guy make some pop music yeah no slash it probably would be very difficult for slash to lower himself to that level <laughs> <laughs> and that's and that's absolutely fair and, and that, I appreciate your opinion and let me just say and I'm not expecting uh, an answer but I did reach out because I was uh, denied an extreme interview once they passed and then I reached out again uh, just a few hours ago uh, just to see I'm like hey just figured I'd take a stab again if they with all this negative press let's put a positive spin on it if you want to come on and I was told it was forwarded to their management. So if I don't hear back, that's a no. <laughs> so, uh, what's that? Who, who did you reach out to? I re- I first it was uh well both at the at the first it was either Gary Sharon or Nuno Betancourt. I didn't care. I got one of those press releases for their new album, and then now specifically Nuno being like, this yeah. could be I don't know. I'm sure. At the end of the day, does anybody really care? Slash, I'm sure isn't losing any sleep. Is Nuno really losing any sleep over this? But I don't know. I want to. I would like to put a positive spin on it. If you know, if he's up to it. World Newsday in the rock world. Talk about we're talking about some silly nonsense. I know. So let me get your opinion on this with slow news days, and I I would be remiss uh, because I I talk with this off the air, almost like a to be continued because it's always a slow news day, or maybe not with Guns N' Roses this summer. Of course, touring, but there are rumors of uh, with new Guns N' Roses music. I will mention. Uh, mention this though Slash coming out with a new album with different singers uh, a blues album which I think that's great news I don't know what that means if anything for Guns N' Roses what do you think about that let me get your opinion on that Slash doing a blues record yeah fuck yeah man that is that's the best fucking news I've heard in a long time man that's fucking cool man right right that's, that's awesome and I can't wait to see who who his fucking rhythm rhythm section is. Oh man, there there have been some rumors, but I, I just don't want to. I think somebody from Snake Pit. I think there was a picture of uh, Johnny G from Snake Pit, and uh, 
uh, Teddy Zigzag, they were in the studio like earlier this year. I don't know if that's related, but it would make sense. Uh, you should but, get Andreas on keys. Okay. Who, who on keys? I'm sorry, you broke up a bit. Andreas. Did you play with guns? Oh, yeah, Teddy Andreas. Yeah, Teddy Zigzag. As I kill a bug on my desk. Did I get him? Did I get him? No, I didn't. Great. It's going to be crawling on me. This is, a, the, this is the beauty of working in, uh, in Queens. I, I, I live in Joe's apartment, apparently. Uh, for the, <laughs> all the, the heat has brought up the bugs, and it sucks. We'll see how many viewers. Comment below if you have any idea what we're talking about when we say Joe's apartment. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad you got that reference. <laughs> That's a super center. Uh, thanks. Uh, so, uh, well, that's... So that's that's cool. To, yeah, and everyone had that kind of the same response. More than just, I think it's a bigger response if more than uh, Slashers had a new album with different singers. But the fact that this is a blues record too, on top of that, I think it's gotten people excited. But I asked you before, because the big news obviously is Guns N' Roses. That's the big uh, matzo ball hanging out. You know, will they, won't they, kind of situation. Uh, but <laughs> so there was a video of, and you said you know who uh, Tom Mayhew is. They're yeah. uh, so you you've met him like he seems like a nice guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We toured together with Robert. He was a production manager. So I've known him for 15, 20 years. Yeah, he's one of my good friends. And his brother, which was great, Bob, uh, McBob, and the couple. Uh, it didn't happen when I saw them in the small club. Uh, no, it did. It happened in both a small club in New Jersey. I remember, and when I saw them again in West Palm Beach, he would do a different take of the Guns N' Roses intro. Yeah. He's like, you wanted the best. Well, they didn't fucking make it. You know, here's what you get. Velvet Revolt. You know, it's so great. Just a great to bring back this, this classic Guns N' Roses bit, but put a velvet spin on it. So yeah. Tom Mayhew was recently videotaped on a GNR uh, VIP tour talking about specifically Guns N' Roses music, how there should be music out any day now. Uh, they are working on it. It's, it could sound like Appetite. It's going to be a mix of things. All these great things. And much like some other GNR uh, news that have been out there about new music, and I know this from experience with my interviews, it was taken down. I wanted to clear up last time from what I, my understanding is that management had nothing to do with this, that this had to do with the fan not wanting all that attention. So I wanted to make sure I brought that up as somebody who pretends to be. I mean, I have a journalism degree. I don't know if you call me a journalist anymore. Just uh, you know. But anyway, uh, so I'm just, I'm just curious. Because uh, have you been following any of that? I mean, I don't know if you keep in touch with Slash and Duff like that. Uh, if they talk to you about music still, and it's because they both are putting out music. We talk about Slash, Duff's putting yeah. out music. GNR, we we don't know. We only get rumors that are taken down. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah, no, I don't like to keep in touch with those guys too much. You know, um, I text Flash sometimes, or I text uh, Dove sometimes on his on his birthday, or you know, we exchange the random funny text message or something if I send it to him and whatever. Uh, and he always responds, and I love those guys. They're great. I Slash goes through a lot of phone numbers, so I don't. I don't have enough for him anymore. But no, I didn't. I didn't even know they were recording. You know? Oh, that's uh, another part of just you're here as not only my guest, but my guest, my my co-host as well. Because I want to get your opinion on things because you are a producer. So with that in mind, I don't want to keep you here forever. As apparently, a bugs on my home studio. Damn it. Uh, where 
like, what are you doing now? What, who are you working with? And what's going on with you? You know, all, all, all the who, what, when, where, why uh, questions of, of Nashville and what's the most up-to-date of Rocco Guarino. Um, yeah, man. Nashville. Been here since, uh, like, I rolled into town Friday the 13th, January, Friday the 13th. And uh, I'm starting my label. Uh, it's called Starlight Records. And uh, cool. Well, there. I see the logo on your laptop back there. Um, yeah. So basically, I had I had a bunch of bands that uh, that I had produced a bunch of records that I had made um, from probably 2014 up until 2020 one that had never come out that were never released for one reason or another obviously some of them were from the pandemic so they never were released but a lot of more whether the band broke up or there was one um vox waves or they changed your name to turquoise noise and scott passed away so that album never came out and um another band called windows that i did at phonogenic um when i was at ronnie Jaffe's studio the first fighters um, keyboard player and two more that I had done since I left there so there was just a bunch of records that had never been released and I thought it was kind of crazy that you know that, that that this was happening so anyway I just called everybody and said hey I want to start a label and put out can, can I put out the record and everybody all the way down the line everybody said yes awesome so yeah so I have a uh, 14 artists nice up on the label and we're just kind of it's just you know me and and instagram and uh and my brain you know that's really where starlight lives right now until uh until we start you know launching properly but for now it's just it's all about good music you know it's it's highly curated um if anything comes out of starlight it's gonna be music that i absolutely love it also happened to be pretty much every album on my label I've produced. <laughs> so there's that. But you know, eventually we'll be we'll be working with uh, other producers as well too. You know. Uh, all right, cool. So if you want to check out the latest, it's just Starlight on Instagram, or is it Starlight something else? So what's the exact uh, handle? Uh, I'll put it up though in the in the, uh, the bio. I don't remember what the Instagram is. Okay. But if you want rock. <laughs> Rocco Music Instagram, um, there's a link down there, a link tree there. Okay, okay, cool. Starlight is F E A R L I T E. Oh, okay, I'm glad you specified that. Yeah. Okay, good. Uh, and then, of course, the, the previously mentioned TikTok, you're on there as Rocco, uh, Rocco, Rocco Guarino, right? Or Rocco Music? Yeah, Rocco Music. Yeah, it displays. I don't know the username is Rocco Music, but yeah, I'm, all of my social media, everything is Rocco Music. Yeah. Okay, cool, cool. Uh, yeah. Even well, even the never used X for you, uh, Twitter. So uh, I don't want to keep you here forever. Uh, I feel now. I feel bad for my wife. She's. I had just been watching Baby Brownstone all day. Uh, <laughs> oh, you like that nickname? So, yeah, I love it. And it's it's so funny. Well, I have a spinoff podcast too because I love horror movies. Okay. So trying to do that, and I don't know what's absorbing into his brain now because I watch horror movies when I'm not 
online talking about Guns N' Roses are doing this. So I have an upcoming interview uh, with somebody who wrote uh, an Exorcist book. And oh, I, wow. I was reading him. I think that might be the first book I ever read him, was reading him the 50 Years of the Exorcist. He's, oh my God. <laughs> he just likes hearing my voice. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, I know my wife's stuck in the bedroom with, uh, with him, so I don't want to keep her there forever. See, this is the realness that you get from Appetite for Distortion. You got bugs. You got babies crying. Rocco is always honest. I got honest guests. This is what it's like because this is a... Uh, this is why Axel would never do this podcast. You see that picture of Joe Rogan and Axel, where Joe Rogan looks so happy as anybody would be meeting Axel, and Axel looks like he just like hates life. He was on Joe Rogan's podcast. He wasn't on the podcast. He randomly met him in Greece. Oh. Yeah. So, and actually, before we wrap up, I want to mention we're going to do a, a fan review with a couple fans from Greece who were at that concert, where. I couldn't believe it. I mean, we can believe it now, I guess, with the, all these years of reunion. Uh, Axel uh, leading a happy birthday uh, song to Slash on stage. <laughs> all those years, they hated each other. Or at least Axel hated him. And now they're, they love each other. It's, cool. It is cool. It is cool. Uh, Rocco, let's do this again. Let's not wait a couple years before you come back, okay? Yeah, man. <laughs> okay, cool. So that does it for this episode of Appetite for Distortion. Remember, the conversation continues in between the broadcasts. You got Facebook, you got Twitter X, whatever it is, Instagram, even TikTok. Not threads yet. If you're on threads, let me know if this is something I should do. I have enough. I have a child, for God's sake. I can only do so much. And also, please follow on YouTube because I'm always old, uh, editing old clips making them all fresh and real and cool and uh, bite-sized one-minute clips like i've done with a couple of your uh a couple of your things you've done rocco and it's it's awesome it really is fun to go back and relive these episodes and make them put pictures on them and i don't know it's always the when i'm scrolling through uh tiktok and then i pop up and i'm like that's me <laughs> <laughs> i like that i do like that uh cool so until the next episode of appetite when will you see it in the words of Axel Rose concerning Chinese democracy, I don't know if soon is the word, but you'll see it. No! No! Thanks to the lame ass security, I'm going home.